Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and a welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, um, Apple Store, Google Play, TuneIn and Moises Enrique's favourite app, Spotify. We do it all for the action attraction of the North Shore Magpies Waitara. This is Anthony the Bull Caruso and just when you thought it was safe from cricket for another year, it Ben's corners like Ryan Harris bottling to Alastair Cook. This week is the start of the ICC Women's T20 World Cup held right here in Australia. Ten teams, 23 matches, one trophy. A real opportunity to see how far women's cricket has come in the last 10 years. And for this, we've assembled a crack team to take us through the squads and preview the matches. First off, joining us is our resident cricket analyst, the wise man himself, Matt Mears. Good evening to you. Good evening, Mr. Caruso. Good evening to all of our listeners, whether you're listening on Triple H or via the many good or bad podcast sites where Splinters is available. I'm very excited for this episode. Obviously, a big deal, um, this Women's T20 World Cup culminating at the MCG, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in the podcast. But uh, we've got two other special guests, or maybe not so much guests anymore. They're on the line. I'll let you introduce them. Absolutely. We've also brought along two of our favourite players from New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket. They are the dynamic duo from University's Women's Cricket Club. First off, the uh, the gun dynamo herself, Zoe Benjamin. Good evening to you. Good evening, Anthony. Yep, pulled me off the bench again. Back again. Happy to be here. Very exciting stuff, the Women's World Cup. Absolutely. Looking forward to what we've got installed. Joining her tonight, the Vice President of the University Women's Cricket Club. It's a double act here, Georgia Lomas Futeran. Good evening to you. Good evening. Thank you for having me. So, Georgia, of course, you're making your debut on um, on Splinters. Looking forward to getting into the squads themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hope this debut is better than my own screen. Well, yeah, we've just finished the cap presentations and uh, I think we're all ready to go. Absolutely. So, uh, for this edition of the competition, we have two groups of five teams with eight automatically qualifying for the competition, while two qualified via a playoff tournament. We'll be previewing the two groups, the structure of the competition and the real centrepiece of the event, the final, being played at the MCG on International Women's Day. We're ready to take the field. The umpires are in place. We won't be mentioning the umpires' names. Um, I'm sure <laughs> Billy Birmingham would be very disappointed that we're not. Actually, I'm very we're, disappointed. Well, I think Umpire Strikes Back is actually waiting for, for us to uh, to start okay, the competing. So, no, no, I've kept it clean. I have kept it clean there. So, without further ado, let's get start, let's get started right here on Splinters. We're going to kick things off here tonight with, uh, first off, with the pool, with pool A and obviously the home squad, Australia. They they enter the competition as the defending champions, number one ranked T20 nation, and they are the host nation. Matt Mears, uh, from the recent uh, tri-series, they're also going to be carry, carrying plenty of confidence into the, um, into the competition. Well, they certainly are. They're a team that they're obviously the favourites coming into the tournament. They have the the rule of the land with their home conditions. But if any, I, I watched the tri series with great interest. It, it is a team that it's hard to point out, but I think it's a, a team trying not to peak at the wrong time. If that makes sense, they know that there's still a lot of cricket to be played. There's still um, there's still warm-up games to go this week before the, the tournament starts on Friday. There's a lot of cricket to be played and you can tell that with a few of the players. Probably Alyssa Healy's my, my biggest one that I'll call out. We've seen her in the Tri-Series. She's been out in the first over pretty much every game. Um, it's, a, it's a stark distance from the, the 148 that she made in the T20 versus Sri Lanka only a, few, a short few months ago at North Sydney Oval. Um, it, it's almost like... <laughs> The, the tournament's just, it's one of those things. It's in the rearview mirror. It's its 
one of those things they just need to be able to get there I think once they get there they can start playing that cricket they'll be a much better side I don't think we saw the best of them in the tri-series well, Zoe, we'll come to you. And it is one of the big talking points of the media has been the uh, the bat, the form with the bat for Elisa Healy. Um, but it has to be said that there's been no, if there has been any sort of drop of form, it certainly hasn't been reflecting with the gloves. No, absolutely. And you have to say that she's not the only player that's going through these interesting form slumps. If you look at that Australian team, you have quite a few players who had an underwhelming um, big bash season um, yet came out in some trial games and just scored the runs. Um, Aaron Burns, Ash Gardner. So everyone's a bit rocks and diamonds at the moment. And Mizzy said it, there's just something that they just haven't quite hit their straps at the moment. And you wonder whether they're just slightly holding back, waiting for this tournament to, to really open up. And of course we know that when, when these players are in it, it on their game, they're just, they're just unbelievable and impossible to stop. Like you've got just some absolute world-class players there. You've got Megan shoot. Who's just the best bowler in the world at the moment. Uh, Elise Perry, who we've mentioned before, sometimes we think the the Australian team can become a little bit reliant on on her form, both with ball and bat. But like, it's it's because she's just when she, she just performs, she just shows up almost every game and and just can take it away um, with both ball and bat, as mentioned. So. Let- Let's see if uh, if Georgia is there, but um, Georgia, there's two X factors I think here for Australia that are coming into coming some red hot form into this competition. With the bat, it's Ash Gardner, and with the ball, it's Jess Johnson. Absolutely, I mean I completely agree. Jess Johnson, you know, took Pfeiffer in the last game in the Tri Series win, and Ash Gardner, she's been fantastic. Let's just hope um, she stays away from a concussion anytime soon. <laughs> But but her batting has been fantastic. It may be the uh, new bat sponsor she has. But, no, I'm happy to see her inform because when she doesn't perform, it, it's quite upsetting to, to watch a player go through that slump. But it's nice to see that she's come out the other side and scoring some runs again. Um open to everyone here it's, it's it's been discussed this this squad um, that's been selected and some of the more interesting picks for the uh, the competition Sophie Molyneux I think has been a long time coming but it has been mentioned with our other show um, around the question marks the selection of Annabelle Sutherland and Georgia Wareham uh, good to see Annabelle Sutherland pick up um, a wicket in the game in the in the tri series uh, is this Australia trying to experiment with a lineup, look into the future, or is this, um, you know, is there something else that's going to be happening with this squad itself? Seeing Annabelle's name was a huge surprise. I'm sure everybody will agree. But seeing that she's taken that week, it looks like they're trying to bring some fle- some fresh blood into the competition. I mean, we all know Elise Perry and Alyssa Healy and everyone, they're not going to stick around forever. And cricket takes its toll on a person's body as well. So it's nice to see that they're bringing the youngsters in and, you know, especially uh, with Taylor as well. But bringing the new fresh blood into the competition, it is definitely, it might be, I don't know, it might be the key to winning more games and, and getting out of this slump that Australia is in at the moment. Well, having a 15-person squad here for the for the Australian team, it's a lot bigger than what they'd normally have in a T20 competition where it's normally, say, a 13- or 14-person uh, squad. So it gives you that luxury of being able to carry that one or two extra people there, not so much for the experience, but just to have them around the squad. Like, I was surprised to see Annabelle Sutherland play as many games as she did whether she'll get that same opportunity in the tournament proper, I'm not so sure. But she's one of those ones that are the next in line, along with the Phoebe Litchfields of the world, that you just know in the next year, two, three years, when those players that, that you mentioned there, Georgia, like Alyssa Healy, Elise Perry, whether it's injury, whether it's retirement, whether it, yeah, those sort of things come along. Australia's almost just taking that little bit of um, forward thinking into this tournament, thing, uh, knowing that they have to have the, the next lot of players ready to step in at a moment's notice. Let's go straight to our next team. Uh, 
we've got Bangladesh for the third uh, tournament running. Bangladesh have earned their position through the qualification tournament and have done so in a very convincing manner, thrashing the USA, Papua New Guinea and Scotland in the qualification tournament um, before earning their place with a comfortable win over Ireland. Um, you know, Mizi, I'll come to you first off. Much will be on the shoulders of their all-rounder and captain Salma Khatun with support from the Hida Akta and uh, Fagana Hock with the ball and bat, respectively. Bangladesh, uh, like the men's, their, their women's are developing uh, as a squad at the moment. They've got a couple of very key players, but this is very much a work in progress. It certainly is. They're probably the best would be the the Bangladeshi men's team probably five or so years ago where they they could get a good performance and have a good performance together, but it was stringing those good performances together which let them down. I think Bangladesh are in that sort of mode at the moment where there are some good players in there and there's some very talented players, the ones that you mentioned previously, but... It's just getting and playing that cricket together and stringing the good performances together, which is what they're lacking at the moment. I, I, I tend to think as well as it, it, it's very much about experience playing as a team for, for Bangladesh as well. Like I think game time as a group is going to really help them. And I think it'll help ta- kind of take pressure off those players that they rely on so much as well. The the challenge they're gonna they're gonna have is as you know as one of the nations from the subcontinent, uh, it, it's very much a cultural shift for, for some of the for some of these nations. It's great to see that Bangladesh have actually thrown quite a bit of resources behind this to try and develop it. And you know Georgia, what this can only mean good things for um, for cricket in the um, subcontinent of the future, and hopefully could rub off on other nations like um, Afghanistan as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, we've seen the men's um, Afghanistan team come up through the ranks. They, they now play test cricket as well. So, I mean, it, cricket's a developing sport for some countries and especially like Bangladesh and a few other teams that have to go through this qualifier. But it's amazing to see that they've got the support and they've got a team together and they've been working together and working hard to get through to the tournament and, you know, and to really perform because there's nothing worse than seeing a team just collapse under the pressure and and um, all the teams that spend a lot of time together, like Australia and New Zealand and everything. So I really hope they do well. Let's go to the next... No, sorry, sorry, just, on, just before you move along, they're one of the only sort of um, countries as well that don't have a representation in the WBBL, which um, probably puts them also on a little bit of the back foot because there'll be a lot of teams that, that obviously don't have the experience playing in Australia, but they'll have one or two players that, that'll, that'll have that WBBL experience that they can draw on and pass that information on to um, the rest of their teammates. So they're in a little bit of a disadvantage there. So they're really going to have to take advantage of those couple of warm-up games to really suss out those, um, suss out the different Australian conditions and than what they're used to back in their home country. Let's go on to the next team, a team that has been a thorn in the side of the Australians for years, not only in the men's, but in the women's as well. India have built up a solid lineup under the leadership of Haman Prikal with uh, Jemima Rodriguez and Smriti, Smriti Manhana in brilliant form and joining their captain in the top rankings, um, 10 rankings for batters. In the bowling department, it's been Radha and Punam Yadav, along with Depti Sharma forming the nucleus. Matt Mears, this Indian team know how just over the last few years have, have had the, a bit of the wood on Australia. And they're going to prove very difficult to beat once again. Well, they are, and they've they've had they've had the last however long playing these games against Australia. If you can get those, they're going to which is going to get, have them in good stead for the rest of the tournament because they've had the experience in Australian conditions playing against the best team in the world um, and really showing that they've got something there. They play a different style of cricket than a lot of the other nations do, which uh, sort of goes against the the Australian way and um, it, it makes them it makes them hard for the Australians to make a, a game plan against. We did see in the final, though, Australia were able to put them under pressure and um, and really uh, and take home the Tri-Series tournament. But I said, 
come Friday at, at the Sydney Showground Stadium, without that pressure of the final on the line, um, could be a different story here with this Indian side because um, I think Australia they'll be they'll be still trying to f- sort out their eleven. There's probably about thirteen between them of that fifteen man squad that are in line for that first game. Whereas India, I think they know their plans already. They're going to be um, ready to press the go button and, and hit the ground running come that first game. So they're going to be probably the dark horses to be there on um, grand final day. And Georgia, uh, Humanpreet Carl, who's been a part of the w, WBBL structure for a couple of years now, she's been, she has been one of the leading lights from India in the competition and her experience could prove vital for this team as they get settled in, in, the, um, in the conditions that they're going to experience in Australia. I agree. Harman Court has a fantastic attitude towards T20 cricket. Uh, but, I mean, I think we're going to see Jemima and Shruti, Shruti Mandana come through the ranks as well in this competition because T20 cricket, you can't really plan much of what's going to happen. It's not like a test match where you get days and days to get ready and and stay, you know, um, prepared. But, you know, you never know what can happen. Anything can happen in a T20 match. So, I'm really excited to see how they go because, as we've seen, they've played some fantastic T20 cricket recently. Let's go to the Um, next team. Oh, sorry. Go on, Zoe. (laughs) Sorry (laughs) to inject. I was just going to say, I'm I'm actually interested to see um, how much game time Tony's girl, Shafali Verma, gets because when she did get some game time in the the Indian A versus Australian A, she was explosive. Um, I'll be interested to... Just, yeah, excited to see um, how much game time she gets, but also when she does get game time, how she goes. Well, staying with you, um, Zoe, for the next one, we've got um, we've got New Zealand, and much has been said about the reliance on Sophie Devine to um, carry the black caps. And while she may only have Amy Satterthwaite to assist with the bat, I've got to say they're not lacking with options with the ball. No, absolutely not. Um, you've seen Amelia Kerr also come over, play Big Bash this year and was just incredible with the ball. Leah Tahuhu had some, you know, she had a pretty decent um, Big Bash as well. So I think their experience in Australia, again, like we said, with Harmon Precor is going to prove very helpful for that New Zealand side. But this is the challenge they've got, Mizzy. They've got a bowling attack that can challenge for the World Cup, but they look a little bit short on the batting. Well, as I said, I, I think you'll find that Amy uh, Sathaway is um, still on uh, maternity leave, so we won't see her throughout the tournament. But um, with her, it, it, a lot of reliance goes back on um, Sophie Devine and, and Susie Bates, who we've seen here in the WBBL um, really take it to the um, opposition at the top of the order. But sort of once they are um, back in the pavilion, that middle order does look a bit thin on um, on a team that you would hope would be trying to contest for the tournament. It is going to be the, the bowlers, I think, that are going to have to do the job. And, and, and as Zoe mentioned, Amelia Kerr, we, we saw her with the Brisbane Heat in the WBBL and um, we've heard about her for a long time and, and her um, prowess with the ball. If they can keep some teams to some low totals, um, they could be dangerous come the back end of the tournament. A big I'd thing be- as well with that, with um, those two players as well, Sophie Devine and Susie Bates, is you got to rem- and Amelia Kerr as well. You got to remember that all of these girls played in the the Big Bash final as well. So they've the that that last uh, women's BBL tournament is. I I, I just think it will ha- hold them in really good stead um, going into this one. There's one player that we haven't mentioned yet, Georgia, and it's been it's Rachel Priest who has featured quite a bit. She has been brought back into this New Zealand lineup. How much of a difference will she make with her experience? I was actually just thinking about Rachel Priest uh, as you guys were talking, but yeah, Rachel Priest has been has done pretty well with the bat. I mean, we've seen it for the Sydney Thunder uh, numerous years in a row. But I mean, it all it all depends on form. If she's only just come back in, it may mean she's found some form. So I really hope she flies with the bat for them as well. Uh, it'll make the game interesting. I for mind. 
they just they do seem a little bit light on the batting, oh, the bowling. That they're, they're there, they're, they're definitely there for it. Um, you know, speaking to what Zoe was talking about before with Amelia Kerr, she's her abilities bowling spin is just absolutely incredible. I think the first time I got to watch her was as a fourteen year old in their T Twenty competition, and probably one of the best wrongs I've actually ever seen. <laughs> Well, so the, the talents there in that department, it, it's going to be how they can go against the the Indians and the Australians. And then once they get into those um, uh, knockout stages of the tournament, whether they can really, te- really, really get themselves up to um, compete with the best of the best. Well, let's go to the last team in Group A. It is, um, it is Sri Lanka. Um, you know, the... Once again, like New Zealand, their batting looks quite brittle with only Chamari Atapatu and Sashakala Sirawadna in ranked in the top 50 for batters. Um, bowling attack, though, Mizzy, pretty decent like New Zealand. Well, we saw them in those um, T20s at the start of the season. Um out here in Australia where, where the aforementioned with uh, Alyssa Healy making 148 in the third one where Australia were pretty much dom- dominant throughout the throughout the whole tournament. Ada Padu, with a, she got 113 off 66 deliveries in the first of the T20s. Um, she's really shown that, that she's that, that class batter that that all teams need to be able to compete. But a, a bit like New Zealand, it's it's going to be, yes, we can identify the, the one, the two, um, of those class players, but it's the, it's your three, four, five, six. If um, they get a good ball early and it's down to the middle order, what are they going to be able to contribute? And uh, the thing with Sri Lanka, particularly against some of these um, top-ranked nations, if they lose a couple of early ones, then they're not going to have the totals to defend or to have the firepower in the shed to be able to chase the totals. The the challenge they're going to have with the um, with their defence as well is going to be the the experience of the bowlers to be able to handle these situations. Zoe, the that they've got balance, but with the bowling, but it's whether they're going to be able to step up into these competitions, especially when put under pressure from Australia, India, and to a lesser extent New Zealand. Yeah, well, that's the that's the biggest thing for for mind for me. Um, they're as Mizzy said, their reliance on their top two with the bat and then the fact that they'll have to just defend, well, if they lose their top two quite early, um, depending how their middle order goes, they could be looking at defending some, some low totals if they bat first. And, um, yeah, you just you just worry about whether they can keep a cool enough head and uh, rise in, in that pressure. I, I'd love to see them do it. I reckon they've got the capability to do it, but you just wonder whether that's going to be an issue. And I feel like a lot of pressure is going to be put on um, their captain to to just steer them through. And I, I just I wonder if that's going to end up to amount to too much pressure, really. Ladies, before we take our first break, let's talk about the uh, a little bit of the history of the um, the competition itself. It's been um, we've been we've seen the competition um, build up, and it's really been the centerpiece of where women's cricket has um, built up its popularity. Uh, the one day has sort of had a little bit of a following, but it never really did take off until the T20s format has has come into the fore for everyone involved. Zoe, what is it that's that's attracted? Um, popularity for women in cricket and in particular with T20? Yeah, it's a really good question. It just, it seems to be the the front running um, format for women's cricket. And I think it's like largely due to being able to host, have the World Cup and have these nations all come together to play against each other, um, as well as, you know, the revolution that has been the women's big bash. I think the fact that these are the games that are getting the most television. These are the games that are getting the most coverage, the games that are exciting more people and getting more of a crowd because they're shorter um, and a little bit more exciting. Um, personally, I love test cricket. So we all do. Yeah. It's a bit of an interesting one for me because it's, it, 
it's it just even coming through the ranks um, through those New South Wales development programs through uh, your grade cricket. There's there's a huge emphasis now on T20 players. Like that's that's what they're looking at. They want they want T20 players. They are happy for girls in women's NCL to to transform that T20 form into the longer format rather than the other way around. And I think you're seeing that with uh, Big Bash similarly as well. Like you're looking, there's always talks about uh, guys who are in form in Big Bash, then looking at pushing them into one day squad, hitting form in one day squad. Can they play test cricket? And um, it's just a, it's a weird progression Australia Australian cricket has, but that just seems to be where it's at. And I think it's not necessarily a bad thing for the game because it is exciting and you get these really, really close matches that even people who aren't, you know, real cricket enthusiasts who don't play cricket, like they're watching our game and that's really good. That's that's amazing growth for for Australian cricket. And then I'm going to come to you, Georgia, and, and the, the other question I then want to throw is sort of the culture around um, women's cricket as well. Um, we were actually, funnily enough, we were talking about it about a week ago on the bus, uh, talking about how the, the women's cricket competition has, has actually looked very family and kid-friendly, and it tends to reflect out on the field, although some people would say maybe a bit too friendly. <laughs> Well, I mean, you don't want people attacking everyone. Um, no, of course. But no, I. <laughs> but I mean, the culture. I I quite enjoyed the culture as well because I mean, women's cricket. I played boy cricket, and even there was some arguing on the sideline, all that kind of thing. Um, but no, quite frankly, I think the culture is quite nice, especially for girls, because girls may not want to have, um, you know, all all the anger and and you know, and all the em- and different emotions that come with the game as well. Um, but it's a nice atmosphere, and especially with females. Look, females want to be part of a team. They want to have the friendship. They want to be able to rely on other of on other females as well. So for them to see that, it kind of gives them the confidence to join to join teams and also go and watch because it shows them that it doesn't change no matter what stage or what group you go through. Absolutely. I, I tend to agree with Georgia there as well about that, that that idea of team culture. I think women's cricket has such a strong emphasis on team culture, and I think that's uh, that can only be a positive thing. Like I think that's something that we've always pushed and wanted to see more in men's cricket, and I think that's a really strong point. For, for women's cricket, especially in Australia. And I think the one thing the, the women have had to learn, though, um, from speaking with a couple of people is how to, how to I guess, self-promote. And that's been the one thing I think that they – while the, the women have certainly helped to deliver a certain culture around um, – conduct on and off the field for the men. The one thing I think that the men we've seen from the men is introducing the women to the idea of self-promotion of the game itself. And we've seen this latest – um, generation of players really latch onto it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the at the end of the at the end of the day, like we said with T Twenty cricket, it's putting bums on seats, and um, you need you need something that's going to attract fans as well. And I think that you're right. the The ladies are are learning how to how to how to do that in a fun way. Like I think, you know, our own Maisie Gibson was a great example with the gimme shimmy really. Like it's just little, it's little stuff like that. That's just, it makes it fun and enjoyable and it, it, it gets people talking. It catches eyes. It's, it's, it's Elise Villani bringing back the yellow white broom hat alongside exactly. George Bailey. Yes. Sloppy. Yeah. yeah. I'm, and the, the Susie Bates, um, and, uh, Sophie Devine sweatbands as well, like the zinc, like just little things like that, that, you know, it or, just or, helps. Or uh, anytime, anytime Elisa Healy sledges um, Starkey. Yeah. Oh, that's gold. That's gold. It's gold anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Mizzy, I would not, I, Mizzy, let's face it, I would not want to be on the receiving end of that from Elisa. 
Yeah. When you can say that you've got your baggy green before your partner, I think that just rules over any conversation <laughs> oh. whatsoever. That's just the ultimate shutdown. Just like, I got my baggy green before you, and then that just puts pay to any argument in that household. There's just no return you, I, serve for that one, eh? No, not you, at all. I think you beat him at golf as well. So, um, you know, he, he's in trouble. He's in serious. <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to do Group B. You're listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, Google Play, TuneIn, and, of course, Spotify. Moses, I hope you're enjoying the show at the moment, and we'll be right back. 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and the Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters of the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, Google Play, TuneIn and Spotify. And of course, we do it all for the action attraction of the North Shore Magpies Waitara. We are talking all things ICC Women's T20 World Cup. And we are joined here today by Matt Mears, Zoe Benjamin, and Georgia Lumis-Funtera. And we're going to be cracking straight on to Group B and one of the real powerhouses of women's cricket and probably one of the teams that could really take it to the Australians in this competition. And it is the Lionesses themselves in England. Matt Mears, it has to be said, though, it hasn't been a great 12 months for the Lionesses. Yeah, they're not the, the powerhouses. They're not that... One and two of, of England and Australia, as we're used to seeing in the last few years, um, India have certainly stepped on the plate. We saw that in the in the uh, tri series uh, that just finished um, with with England not even making the final. Um, they're just one of those sides. I think they're in a bit of a transition period where they've still got some of their more experienced players there, but they're probably sort of. Uh, tapering away rather than increasing their form and uh, they're just trying to find that mix of new players to join those um, more experienced players and gel as a side. I, I think though with playing in the, uh, the the tournament and then they'll have a couple of warm-up games this week, it'll certainly help them build a bit of that team camaraderie and, um, and work on that playing together as a team. But uh if they think that walking into that final at the MCG is is sort of a given, I think they're mistaken. And and Zoe, this is this is a team that's not exactly lacking in stars. Heather Knight leading up the the squad, the likes of Tammy Beaumont, Catherine Brunt, Catherine Cross, Amy Jones, Natalie Siver, Danielle Wyatt, um, and Sophie Eccleston, but. For just some reason, over the last couple of years, they just haven't clicked. Yeah, it's it's quite odd. It's, they just haven't quite just hit their mark, really. And it, it, it's hard to pinpoint where they're kind of not going right. It, I don't know if it's a team dynamic or it, – it, yeah, it, you're right. It just hasn't quite clicked with them, but – they're just they're full of so much potential and so much talent that when when they when they do like they're just such a hard side to beat and similar to what we were talking about with the New Zealand side they've got so many players who have experience in the big bash competition playing in Australia um, who have had really good women's BBL seasons as well like the likes of Nat Siva scored some great runs like it, Danny White as well like you've got some players there who are in really good form and it'll be interesting to see how much they can rise in this tournament. Georgia, the, it, the batting lineup for England is, is well known and is actually quite strong, but it's almost the exact opposite of what is being experienced with New Zealand and Sri Lanka. It's actually their bowling. That's, that's looking a little bit threadbare. Yeah, and I mean, bowling is what can also make or break a T20 game as well. I mean, 
they have Catherine Brunt, but she seems to be spending more time on the sidelines than actually in a game. So it's a little bit concerning, especially getting closer and closer to the competition. Uh, but, you know, maybe someone in the team has a bowling ability that they just don't know about. So, yeah, we'll have to see where the bowling goes with with uh, England. But, no, I mean, they're going to they're gonna have to maybe pull a rabbit out of the hat for this one. Let's go to the next team, Pakistan. They're going to be relying, Matt Mears, on their three big all-rounders in Nida Dar, Bismar Maruf, and Aliyah Riaz. Um, uh, however, after those three, they're really struggling for any sort of um, any sort of class. Well, they're a bit like um, Sri Lanka, and as we mentioned before, they they have those couple of players that are that are really world class. But if if they fail and and don't make the runs or take the wickets, it's sort of looking around the dressing shed whether and, and see who's going to put their hand up and, and really deliver for the team. So. It's going. They're going to be an interesting team. As I said, if, they, if their big three name guns can fire, then obviously they're going to. Um, they're obviously going to create some headaches throughout the tournament. But as I said, I think when you have too much reliance on those couple of players and you don't have those um, players underneath that can step up in a crisis and and when those players go early, um, it's not going to. It's not going to be a good time for them. I, I do think that they're going to struggle throughout the tournament, but. As I said, do, do put them down for a, a surprise win or two. And, Georgia, the uh, the one name that comes up there in particular who has got the potential to be an absolute superstar is Nita Dar. Um, we've seen her a couple of times in the WBBL, and whenever she has represented Pakistan, she is the one person with battle ball cause that can really turn a game all by herself. She is. She is. And I mean, she was exciting in the WBBL as well so um no i was really quite surprised to see her in the wbbl but with but but with the skill she showed it's quite exciting and i mean i was quite happy to see some new faces into the wbbl as well wbbl as well so i really hope she brings that into this competition too Let's go, Zoe, to the next team there. And I think the real surprise to actually see them in this competition, and it's Little Thailand. Yeah, yeah. I I tend to agree with that. Um, They had a shock win over Ireland in the group stages, which um, gave them, you know, they run into this this tournament. But um, it'll be really interesting to see what they – Ring. I, I'm not going to lie, I don't know too much about the Thailand team. I haven't seen them play too much. Um, and I just I just have this feeling that they're not a side you want to underestimate. I feel like they're a side that teams are going to be figuring out while playing, and teams like that are always dangerous. Like Sides that, where you're just not quite sure what they're going to do and players where you're not quite sure what they're going to do it's exciting and it's hard to get a read on and it makes the game way more interesting I couldn't agree with you more there Zoe like they're going to be one of those signs like with all all the other teams there's going to be so much footage everyone's going to be played against each other and and just know that that, that this batter likes to hit here or this bowler likes to bowl these areas whereas this team yeah you're you have to work them out literally as you're out there on the field so it brings out a bit of excitement. I, I have seen a bit on social media that there's a lot of uh, support behind this team. It's going to be interesting to see if they can take that support out onto the field, but they're going to they're going to throw up some interesting results. I think with, when there's going to be some sides that aren't going to be able to adapt without having that solid game plan going into the start of the game. The there are a couple of players that we should name uh, in particular as well because surprisingly they are uh, quite high up in terms of the individual player rankings. Um, in terms of the batting, Narakana um, Chantam and Narumol Chaiwa in the top 30 for the batters, um, and then the bowling attack with Sonarin Tipok, uh, Nataya Butch. Butchatham, Sulaporn Laomi, and Chainda uh, Suti Ruang. I don't know how I managed to get those names out, to be really honest. But they've got a team that's actually developing quite 
nicely. And from what I've seen, they're actually fairly young as well. So, you know, is this a team that could be on the rise? And should a squad like a Bangladesh or an Ireland be a bit worried that you've got Thailand coming out of the blue? I definitely think so. I think they're a side that can shake up this competition and shake a few sides as well. But I think that just that experience, it, it could be their Achilles heel. Like you said, they are a young side and a developing side. So, you know, just that experience is going to is gonna be an issue for them. But obviously, as this team progresses, plays together, gets experience in these tournaments, yeah, they're just, they're just a side to watch from my mind. Let's go to the next team. It's a team that most of us should be fairly familiar with because we've seen a few of them playing in the um, WBBL as of late, and it is South Africa, and they are made up of just a whole bunch of all-rounders, players we've actually seen throughout the years, um, Dane van Nijkerk, Marazan Kapp, Suni Lus, Sadni Ismail, Nadine Clerk, and two very solid batsmen uh, batters, Georgia, in Lizelle Lee and Mignon Dupree. I'm really excited to watch the South Africans play because uh, half of my family is actually South African. So, I mean, watching Dani Van Nikkerk and Marazan Kapp um, in the WBBL is absolutely amazing. They're a dynamic duo. I mean, you know, they're, they're, married, they're married outside of the game as well. I think they'll be very strong in the competition as long as Dane stays away from an avocado um, in the competition. <laughs> I've heard about that. I have heard about that. I know. That was very bizarre. And apparently it has a term called avocado hand. Uh, but no, they're, they're very strong. And we know Marazan, you know, she doesn't have many emotions when she bowls. But when she gets the wicket, oh, everybody knows about it. <laughs> but Lizelle Lee, she's, she scores runs. We saw that for the Stars. And Mignon Dupree, she can score runs as well. So, I mean, they're looking like a pretty strong side, to be honest. I'm quite excited to actually see what the likes of a explosive Chloe Tryon could do because she didn't get quite as much opportunity as I would have liked for the Hurricanes. Uh, to be honest, I think that they could have used her a bit wiser Um kind of pushed her up the order at times when they when they didn't. So I'll be excited to see what she does if she gets an opportunity to play alongside, like, you know, the big names that we've already mentioned. You know, we know what they can do. But, yeah, I, I'm excited to see a Chloe try on in this tournament. There's one thing I do want to raise with this, though, Mizzy, and it is the age of some of their more experienced players. And we're talking about, in particular, Marazan and Mignon uh, Dupree. The... They both have just turned 30, um, and along with Trisha Chetty, who's now 31, um, is this potentially their last, one of their last um, international tournaments? Well, seeing I think there's another competition next year, I think you'll still see them representing for a couple of years yet, because a team like South Africa, they're, they're going to be bogey team, like, they're going to be other teams' bogey teams come this competition because if they can get themselves down to a, a tight finish and you can have Marazan Cat bowling and you need six or seven off the last over, we've seen her for the sixes and, you know, she can defend that. So they're going to be one of those teams that they've got that experience in other competitions that if games come down to those clutch moments even against a, an England or an India or Australia, they've got the players there that have that experience. So they can't be counted out in this competition. Let's go to the let's go to the next team, and it is the uh, the Calypso Queens themselves, the West Indies, and uh, like South Africa, Zoe, they have some damaging all-rounders heading up their squad in the form of Haley Matthews, Stephanie Taylor, and Deandra Dotton. Yeah, they've just got some exciting players, don't they? And and players who, again, like we've mentioned, experience in the women's BBL, experience in Australian conditions, and just experience all around, just class players coming through. Um, and they're looking like another good all-round team again, as they have been in the past. Um, and just similar to South Africa, just a team that you just you know is going to show up and you just don't want to underestimate with the talent that they've got in their squad on paper. They've also, Matt Mears, got some very decent bowlers to back up their, their um, front line all-rounders. They certainly do. And um, 
they're going to be a, another one of those sides that they've they've got that enough experience that when it comes down to those clutch moments that they can't be counted out. So we, we're obviously going to talk about that, the Haley Matthews, the, the Stephanie Taylors and the like that have got that WBBL experience. But where we talk about some of these other signs that don't have that sort of that next level down, that that, that, that can stand up when needed if, if those gun players um, have, a, have a failure, the West Indies do. So they're going to be there or thereabouts throughout the tournament. Georgia... If there's one thing that some people have said about this West Indies lineup, are they one to two batters short, or will it, it not does, matter? Yeah, well, I mean, an extra batter or two can be helpful uh, in some competitions. I mean, if the team clicks uh, with the players they have, then they may very well be okay. But I mean, having that backup just in case is is always very beneficial, especially in such a com- in a competition that's you know very strong, uh, especially when they're playing against England and and South Africa. But um, no, I mean we've seen we've seen them win the trophy before, and I honestly think they can do it again. I tend to agree with Georgia there. I think, as Mizzy said, like. I think that they have enough depth there that they're not relying like some other teams are on one or two players in that top order. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I tend to agree. I don't think they're one or two batters short. I think that the team that they've got there can do the job. All right. Well, we've just gone through the squad there. Let's go through our predictions, then we'll get on to our last, um, our last discussion point for this, uh, for this podcast. And we're going to start off with with Pool A. Australia goes in as favourites. Um, we've got Bangladesh, India, New Zealand, and Sri Lanka. Uh, who are we calling for the team that mixes it with with Australia? And do we see a Smokey from that group? Oof. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to say India is not going to be there because they kind of just deserve to be, don't they? They've just got such a a talented side, and they've played against Australia recently as well in that in that tri series. Um, but I think New Zealand will give them a good run for their money. In all honesty, Mizzy. Yeah, you you can't go past Australia and India like I said. With all teams going straight, essentially through to the semi-finals, it's Australia and India. You, you can't really go past those two sides. If if you had to pick a third, it would be New Zealand. They'll be the they'll be that that dark horse in the in the competition. But going by the the, the tri-series form, you, you'd have to say Australia and India through to the semis. Yeah, Georgia. I'm going to say Australia. I'm. Going to say Australia, New Zealand. Oh, to be complete. Australia, New Zealand. I'm I'm going to call it because, I mean, yes, New Zealand has uh, had a bit of a tough time recently, but I think this may be the time that they pull it all back together. Okay, let's go to Group B, and this one's going to be mu- I think it's going to be much more open. Um, yeah, you know, there are two teams there, but. You know, there there are two teams to qualify out of it, but you know, really, I dare say it's probably a lot closer than Group A. I tend to agree. I think that um, I just think that West Indies, South Africa, and England are, are, are much closer together than a New Zealand, Australia, India is. Like I think, as we said, New Zealand will definitely put up a really good fight, but Australia and India are just kind of just that inch in front but with with group b it's hard to it's hard to kind of draw out two teams from the three those three like it's going to be really tough and tight for them easy i think so if you could if you could ask an india or new zealand if they would swap with one of the teams in group b to try and have a quote-unquote easier trip through to the semi-finals you think they would take it because i'd say that that the 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 strength of the teams is that there's stronger teams in pool A than than pool B, but um, England certainly um, looking at those five sides would be one to go through. You can't not tip South Africa, but they're going to be pushed hard by the West Indies. Georgia, I think, sorry, <laughs> that's all right. Um, oh, I think it's going to be close, 
But I'm going to say South Africa, West Indies. I think England may have pushed it a little bit too far this time because we really haven't seen some fantastic cricket from them and it's quite... I'll come back to you, Zoe. But no, South Africa, West Indies. Zoe, coming back to you. Yeah, I was just going to say that it could be a matter of what we were talking about with Thailand um, kind of being just shaking up this competition. That could actually prove the the big decider for who goes through into that Group B semi-final. Like, if they manage to cause an upset against an England or a South Africa or a West Indies, that could be the deciding moment in that for, for semi-finals in, in Group B, for my mind. And then we're gonna do we're gonna do what we always do, Mizzy, isn't it? The TFC award. Well, thanks for coming for all of our new listeners. I think we've we've sort of covered that as we go through the rounds. Bangladesh are gonna struggle in that pool A um, against sort of four very much um, more experienced side, particularly in Australian conditions. And as much as they're probably going to be some people's second team in Group B, Thailand, just, again, experience coming down to it. But it's great to see them in the tournament and to, to knock out a team like Ireland um, is a big achievement and they should rest them. They should be just stoked with that result um, and making it into the finals and, and try and work on being a force as a tournament like this gains more um, exposure in their home country and hopefully does the right thing and gets more girls in Thailand interested in playing the game. Zoe? Yeah, I I just tend to agree with that. Um, I think... Yeah, I just just think Bangladesh, as we spoke about, they're they're just lacking that experience as a team and they're lacking a bit of depth there. Um, and they've just, they'll have quite a tough pool as well. So I tend to agree with Mizzy. Georgia. Thank you. I'm, I, also, I also agree with them as well. I mean, Bangladesh has some very tough competition. They didn't, they didn't get the best picks because, I mean, they're facing some of the best teams in the world. But it's, it's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see how they go. It's going to be interesting how they go. So with the competition now, um, as in terms of its structure, it'll be kicking off um, Friday at 7 p.m. at Spotless Stadium uh, with Australia playing India. From then, uh, they're going to be off and alternating between uh, – they're off to, I think, the WACA to start off with and then alternating between Junction Oval and Manuka Oval. Uh, the semi-finals will be at the SCG on the 5th of March. And then the final, uh, what a spectacle that they are talking up uh, for this – the MCG on International Women's Day and Katy Perry as the headlining act for the uh, for the match. The ICC have gone all out for this for this event. Got everything going for it, doesn't it? Like they've just they've just stacked it and given you every reason to go to this game, and I love it. There is a really big push at the moment, Mirzi, to crack 100,000 people turning up to a women's cricket match. And I'll tell you what, they've given themselves every chance to do so. Yeah, well, obviously they're trying to break the the all-time women's attendance record, which back in 1999, I believe, um, for a a women's football match. But they've obviously got all the tools there. They've, They've got Katy Perry. They've got a game... Obviously, to get to get those sort of numbers, Australia, you would think, would have to be one of the two teams playing in that game. But just for me, is it is, it, is there too much emphasis placed on that at the moment? Like, it's almost like the games beforehand don't matter as much. It's it's all about this one game. Um, obviously, it's important. It's the final. The, the champions are, are, are going to be crowned at it, but. There's, there's the story of how the teams get there. There's all the pool games. There's the, the knockout semifinals at the SCG. I just think those games and the stories to getting to the final are a bit lost, and it's just going to be about that one game at the end of the tournament. Well, I mean, we've already got a story, Georgia, don't we, from from simply from Thailand qualifying for the, for the event. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Them being in the competition is fantastic. 
I think I'm getting of, of trying to of trying to push for this uh, world record as well. So I mean, that may just be, be that little bit extra to bring extra supporters to the game, and it's a huge accomplishment. We've seen um, Guinness World Record as well. So I mean, let's go. For it. We'll see how we go. We'll see how we go with it. Um, you know, we've got obviously the um, the. I'm assuming from what we've heard here, the tips at the moment for the grand final is. Am I assuming Australia v India, or are we going to see something different? I think Australia has to be there to get the get the world record, and you would assume with the path that they have there, if if they they only have to they 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 draw India in the. They draw India in the in the pool matches, so they're only going to face. They're going to only face maybe in England, or at worst they'll come second um, if they do lose to India in the pool matches, um, and and they'll be facing whoever tops Group B, which which will be like an England or a, or a South Africa, which you would think that they'd be able to overcome to make that final. Uh, it, it, that second place, though, it, it really could be three or four different sides, just depending on how the group games go. As I said, that's the story that, that the tournament's going to play because I don't think it's as clear-cut as a lot of people would have been thinking maybe six months ago as we were talking about this when the WW, when the WBBL was going on and, and we were that we're already talking about this final at the MCG. I, I just think there's going to be a couple of things to play out first to see who we're going to get play Australia in the final. Zoe, your prediction for the final? Look, I don't really want to make one just because T20 cricket, it's just, it's so tight. Like you just, it's anyone's game when it comes down to it because just one over can turn ahead. It's head like turn the game on its head. Sorry, um, you saw it. Um, there was a match. It was the Sydney Bash. It was BBL, not women's BBL. But if you were trying to pick a winner in that game, you just couldn't do it because it was back and forward and back and forward between who had the upper hand, and that's just what T20 is oh, all about. I was, I was at that game. That was that. That was I. That was gorgeous. Oh, it was, and that's what T20 came is down. all about. Yeah, it literally came down to the final ball of the super over. Both teams could still win. It was that 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 is why T twenty cricket is as popular as it is, because mm-hmm. you get those results and you don't have to wait five days to get them. <laughs> Georgia, yeah, your, Georgia, your prediction. If you be if you be so bold. <laughs> <laughs> the the ball, ball's already come out, so I'm waiting to hear this. Um, I I don't know. I think it may very well be Australia in the final, but if it's India, we don't know because what if they play each other in the semi-finals and one gets knocked out? I mean, we'll just have to. We'll really just have to wait and see how this competition goes because, as Zoe said, you never know with T Twenty cricket, anything can happen. Well, it's going to be an exciting, um, uh, exciting couple of weeks as they um, as really the. The culmination of ten years of evolution for women's cricket is now going to come to the is now going to come to the fore. They're going to have the the pedestal all to themselves um, for the the conclusion of the summer. We've never seen it. We've never seen it before. It's happening this year, and we're only going to see it continue to grow from here. Of course, the fastest growing women's team sport in Australia, and we should mention once again as well the only women's team sport that is fully professional so uh have at you netball (laughs) (laughs) what a a crap sport oh absolutely oh there we are there that's what i wanted to hear that's what i wanted to hear (laughs) oh damn guys all the netballers are gonna be after us yep they will be with that it is and we just lost the netballers (laughs) i don't think we had the netballers to begin with i think we'll be right With that, it is stumps on this episode of Splinters. We can't wait for the Women's T20 World Cup. Will the Lanning Perry dynasty continue? Can India continue their recent fall? Or will we see a new champion crowned? I'd like to thank our guests joining us here tonight. First off, Georgia Georgia Lomas Futeran, thank you for joining us here. You're going to have your soft spot for the Saffirs in the uh, in the competition. Will we we could see them cause some serious damage in this? 
Oh, I think we may very well see some damage caused, but um, no, we'll all just have to wait and see. Zoe Benjamin, thank you for joining us once again. Um, you've been uh, tremendous since joining us here on Splinters. Um, the couple of times you've joined us, this time, you know, being able to join us from your own personal studio and not have to join us in the Chroma Studios. Yeah, I'm not not gonna lie. I've enjoyed uh, the the pleasure of my own home and not having to to drive an hour to get it. But it's always a pleasure to come on, and I'll always make that trip if I need to. Well, it's always it's always good having you up on the north side of the bridge, isn't it, Georgia and Matt? Oh, yeah, it certainly is. I mean, it may be the better side. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> Measy, what have what have we just started? I don't know. No, nah, no, nah, absolutely. Music, always a pleasure. I'm not a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Get that yeah. into your Caruso. Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm copying. Oh, shut down, bro. Don't forget, the bench will be back on uh, Friday night at 6 till 9. Uh, six until eight, I should say. Um, but next week, a very exciting one. I will be back on with Splinters. Dom Rizzuto will be with us. And who knows, these girls might be joining us again because it is the New South Wales NPL preview. And I can tell you now, there are a, there's a, there are a couple of big transfers that have happened. And one of them in the women's competition where one club has potentially gone out and attempted to buy a premiership. Who is it? You'll just have to find out next week here on Splinters. Thank you for joining us. The Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. On behalf of our guests here tonight, Zoe Benjamin, Georgia lomas Fonteran, Matt Mears, I'm Anthony I'm not Caruso. a guest. Run, as always, that's, run that's home. fine. Oh. You go oh. twice in a row. You got twice in a row. That's a fine. As always. Here we come. <laughs> I'm waiting. (laughs) As always, run hard or run home. Good night.